Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 353 with John O'Ringer of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, Nathan here. Welcome back to another Founder episode. Hope you're doing well wherever you are around the world. Uh, Let's talk about today's guest, an incredible founder. After launching nine companies, he didn't really think his 10th company, John O'Ringer, would be like an absolute standout. You know, off the back of exiting this company, his net worth is sitting over 1.5 billion. And in this episode, I go through with him like why he didn't think Shutterstock would be the company that would stand out from his other ventures, uh, why he launched and why he believes this company stood the test of time. And then also his personal belief that is his main skill set around building companies from scratch. And then also what he's doing with his uh, new investment strategy, what he looks for in entrepreneurs he looks to work with, what are those key characteristics and skill sets that will set you ahead of the curve, and so much more. So if you really want to learn from a legit founder, someone that's done some incredible things in the online space, you're in for a treat. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump in the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. And the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? <laughs> I was uh, I was in college. Uh, I was I was trying to um, I was trying to not get a job actually. And what wound up happening was, Shutterstock was my 
tenth company in a row, kind of just trying to start different different businesses. Um, Shutterstock turned out to be the one that I did not think would be the one that um, became the the, the standout. Uh, but there were several software companies that needed images. I spent um, time trying to find those images. I eventually wound up just shooting those images myself. And when I did, uh, I then tried to sell them on a website, threw, threw them on a website called Shutterstock. And, and that's, uh, that's been my job for the past 17 and a half years. Yeah, crazy. Like I said, um, we're a customer, love the service. Uh, you know, like we use your images um, a lot uh, for a lot of the content we produce. And um, yeah, I'm curious, like you said, you mentioned, and I, re- I was reading um, when doing pre- preparation, like you said this was like your 10th or, or 11th startup that you tried. What were the other ones? How long did it, like, what, were the, what was the iteration process to go, you know what, move on to the next one, you know what, move on to the next one? Because I think, yeah, that's, that, that's a lot of tries. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, they each were teaching me something different. I was making progress. Um, it felt like I was getting somewhere. And they weren't all complete failures. Uh, a couple of them were software products. They were on the Windows platform. Uh, you know, they sold hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in, 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 in sales. Um, but I was looking for that, that, that bigger company. I was trying to figure out um, how I could build something uh, really big. Um, at the time, I was working on a privacy and security software company called Surf Secret, um, and that was where that was when I needed the images to market uh, the product. That was where um, I started to build Shutterstock. And again, Shutterstock was a side project, but I didn't realize that was going to be um, the one that eventually became the, the big one. And you said you were looking to build something big. How did you? What was different between Shutterstock and the others that gave you that kind of signal that it was going to be big? Uh, it was the month-over-month growth, right? Um, I wasn't a photographer, but I mean, I could I could take a, a picture here and there. So what I was doing was I was putting my really bad picture photos on a website, and people were buying them. Really uh, large companies were buying my images to market their services, market their products, and that was where it started to um, occur to me that if I could get professional photographers on the platform, I could build it even bigger. That was, that was kind of the data I was, I was getting when I would talk to the customers. And so it grew from there. So you saw the month over month growth. It was, it was growing quite fast. Um, were there stock, stock photography websites around back then? Or this was a new foreign concept? Yeah. No, there were a few. Um, and, and they were just starting to, I think, look, this was 2003. It was a while ago. Um, I, I was, um, even the stock photo websites that existed had strange uh, licensing terms. Like you could only use the images geographically um, in a specific place. The internet doesn't care about geography, right? Some of the things we take for granted today uh, that every business, you know, is, is, is very global. Um, that was not the case. Uh, so, I mean, initially out of the gate, all of my images were available royalty-free um, over, through a paid subscription for global use, which was a big um, unlock for the market. And as I started to bring on other photographers, um, the value of the, that subscription just just increased really dramatically. Yeah, I see. That's interesting because, yeah, the licensing, that that is a big component around your guys' service. 
How did you work that out and, and work out the unit economics to get that to work and work out like, yeah, that scale? Because um, you're dealing with, yeah, it's a, two-sided, it's, a, it's a two-sided marketplace in many ways. Not exactly, but you've got your talent on one side and then you've got the, you know, the value prop and the consumer. Yeah, it actually is a two-sided marketplace. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 grew, um, it grew pretty organically from both sides of the marketplace, right? So more, more photographers upload their images, more buyers come in, download those images, uh, and that instant feedback between the two sides of the marketplace is what drives uh, the network effect and, and, and builds the business from there. That, that, is, that is what happened over those years. Yeah, and when it came to like come to the licensing, because there wasn't that many stock photography sites around, what, how did you know, like the best way to do it? Like um, whether it's yeah, because that is quite complicated. Well, the the thing, the twist in two thousand three was the subscription, right? So images were sold one off, but I was running you know dozens of A/B tests every week on different images. I needed I needed what would look like a subscription, so I built what I would have wanted, and that's that that's kind of how I'm I'm building all the, the companies I'm building today, uh, all the the new incubations. There there are things over the years that that I would have wanted myself that I felt like were missing for the market. Yeah, I see. So you're scratching your own itch. Um, okay, interesting. So so the growth was really fast. It just month over month growth was really fast. Can you give us some kind of numbers of indication of what that looked like in the first year, perhaps just for context? Yeah. I mean, well, back in the day, I mean, there, there were, there were months where we uh, tripled month over month. Um, okay. And then, so what happened next? You started building the team, eventually ended up IPOing, but yeah, what happened next? Built the team, built the business, eventually moved from images to footage to music uh, kept uh, working on the workflow characteristics of, of the product. Uh, it is a workflow product. Um, yeah, and fast forward 17 years later, now I'm executive chairman, hired a CEO, now spending half my time on Shutterstock, half my time building some other stuff, sell many images per second, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. Mm, I see. And I'm curious around um, the IPR and uh yeah, eventually why you um, ended up stepping down. Was it because uh, you, you kind of felt that you, were, you, you, could, you could best spend your time elsewhere or? What, what I started to realize, I mean, Shutterstock, Shutterstock's a really big company. It's, it's got a dozen plus offices. It has close to a thousand employees. Uh, it's 650 million revenue and, 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 and growing. And, and what I started to realize was my skill set is best uh, used uh, right now for building companies from scratch. Um, I tried to do inside Shutterstock. We, we, we had some success. But at the speed I wanted to move, it's hard to do that in a thousand-person company. Um, I also realized that uh, at the stage Shutterstock was at, I mean, and it's, it's unique even for a founder to go from start to 17 years later. Um, I had, I had run a good distance and it was time for someone to kind of take over from there. Um, when I met the right person, I put them in place. His name's Stan and um, we work very well together. I talk to him every single day. Um, and 
Uh, I'm very involved in the strategy of the business still as executive chairman, uh, even though I stepped down as CEO. Um, and so I'm spending half my time as executive chairman of Shutterstock and the other half incubating several new companies uh, per year and, and uh, finding entrepreneurs, matching them with ideas, getting them excited, getting them the initial funding, sometimes which I do myself, uh, and uh, have weekly calls with them. And, and we're trying to drive uh, several new businesses and hopefully I build a few more Shutterstocks. Okay, exciting. Yeah, I want to I talk about what you're up to at the moment. Um, but I'd love to just delve a little deeper on the Shutterstock journey. Um, so I'm curious as well, uh, like when it, when it comes to like the scale up phase, you obviously, you know, incredible success. There, there are some key components there to take, you know, a company that has product market fit into, you know, like extreme scale over nine figures in annual revenue. Like what are you? What do you believe are some of the key components that you would share for anyone watching this or listening that perhaps they have hit product market fit? Like you know they've found something that's just the growth is 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 not like a grind to get customers. It, it, it's it's really strong. Like it's it's like 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 what you describe. What what do you think are some key things that you did um, strategically to really ensure that you you had a really successful business on, on the scale up phase? Yeah, the scaling support. I mean, you don't you don't want to scale too fast. You don't want to scale too slow. Um, there, there's a sweet spot somewhere there in the middle. Uh, and you know, there there were times that we would we would put our foot on the gas uh, in a very aggressive way, and then there were times we would kind of ease off of that, get our our, our back office in order, and then uh, and then go for another round. Um, and uh, it's yeah. It, it involves pacing. You need the right team at the right time. Uh, you have to spend the right amount on marketing. You have to raise the right amount. Um, you don't want to raise too much and dilute yourself. Uh, you don't want to raise too little and be constrained for growth. You don't want to go too scorched earth because uh, you can you can implode, but you also want to make sure you're running as fast as you possibly can uh, because there's probably someone behind you. Um, and all of these factors together uh, are important to balance. Uh, and 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 kind of uh, to keep on a steady uh, path of of making uh, the the business get bigger and bigger. Uh, and and it's it's yeah, at every stage is different. Um, but 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 that's basically it. And when it comes to team, like uh, you need you need certain uh, senior team members that have seen the movie before. Um, do you, do you agree with that? Depending what stage you're at. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, sometimes in the beginning, you definitely you want people who have not seen the movie before because you don't want them to be jaded by the fact that there could be something lurking out there that uh, uh, may or may not stop us. Um, sometimes, you know, I mean, in the beginning, the, there's a bit of recklessness in a startup. That's actually why some of the stuff I'm doing today is so exciting uh, and why I'm ex- excited to be back into it. But, it, um, you know, in, in the earlier stages, you can be more, you, you can be less organized about it. And drive growth in in, in more haphazard ways. Uh, as you get bigger and bigger, you want the entire team to be completely aligned, and and moving the boat uh, it takes takes a longer time to reposition it. Yeah, and you need systems, and you need processes, and you need yeah predictability, and yeah yeah you can't be you can't just try and random things for fun and come up with crazy ideas. You can all the time, but it's got to be focused. Yeah, that's right. 
And when it comes to, I guess, um, team in those days as you've built um, at the various levels, um, all the way to you know multiple nine figures, uh, what have what do you think has been critical for finding and, and attracting great talent and retaining great talent? Yeah, build a great business, build a great culture around that business, um, continue to foster innovation, um, allow for entrepreneurship, uh, and keep keep the uh, 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 team motivated through all of that. And uh, when it comes to like uh, keeping the team motivated, that's that depends on the person, right? Um, what advice do you have there? I mean, it's it's different for for everybody, and it's different for everyone you're you're managing. Um, but you need to find people that are excited uh, uh, to solve the problems ahead. You need to find people that um, match your drive. Um, if you're starting a company, generally you you're you know you have um, a certain level of expectations as to where you want to be in a certain amount of time. You need other people to be on the same page uh, with that. Um, and then and if you get all that stuff right, it's, it's a lot of fun and and the upside it can be huge. Yeah, I agree. And how did you find how did you find and meet your your CEO? It's it's, it's yeah CEO of Shellstock now. It's actually very difficult to find um, the the transition from founder to CEO for for a company from an out to, from founder to outside CEO is, is a very complicated one. Um, and companies obviously do it at all different stages along their life span. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I started thinking about this three or four years ago now, so it took a while to make that happen. Um, you, know, you bring people in, you test them, you see. Um, you know, maybe start with them as chief operating officer and see, see how they are able to put together uh, plans and, and develop teams and build, um, build strategic plans and differentiate the business uh, against the competition and, um, and see how, you know, see who the people they bring in are, who, you know, how do they build, um, uh, how they build a team is really a, 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 an interesting characteristic across um, different people. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you won't always get it right, but when you find the right person, I think, I think it, 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 it will make sense uh, at that stage. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting um, take around bringing an outside CEO and, and, and testing them out, maybe a COO or, yeah, just as a, yeah, even consulting or in some way, shape or form and just yeah, trying out a test project. Board member. Sometimes it comes from consultants. Sometimes it comes from um, a different position within the company, but having someone come in cold is, is, is not, the, not the most ideal way to do it, in my opinion. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. 
you should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. So let's talk about like what you're working on now, um, because I often it's a it is a common thread uh, when I speak to founders where they've gone and they've uh, you know had an incredible success and the company's massive, a lot of employees and and they miss the early days of just the scrappiness and just yeah just kind of getting on the ground again, rolling up your sleeves and not not getting in people's way. Um, so I'm curious, like, uh, yeah, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so right now I am incubating several companies at once. Uh, I'm working with, with some people I trust on, on these businesses and different ideas, uh, different people. Essentially, I'm taking my list of ideas that I've, I've built over many years that and some of them come to me just about every day. Um, I have a list of people I've worked with. I have a list of people that um, that I've I've targeted on LinkedIn and other places. I think could be entrepreneurs, and and I try to get them to um, essentially stop what they're doing and start something brand new. And often they haven't had been had have been entrepreneurs before that. Um, and I'm not always successful, but um, you know they need to take on some more risk than they took on before. Usually get them a salary. And if we can kind of get them to a good place, uh, sometimes you see it work out really well, really quickly. Yeah. Wow. This is an interesting model. So, so it's kind of like your own very private Y Combinator. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's my own private incubator. I see. And, um, how many do you work, how many are you working on right now? There's about five of them right now that I'm working on and they're all at different stages and, they're all in different areas from fintech to telemedicine to, to big data to consumer products. And they, uh, they all have CEOs. They're all funded the first round with me and a few other people. And we are trying to um, essentially get them, get them off the ground. And uh, are they all in stealth? For the most part, they are right now. It's, I mean, I, I transitioned to this role in April and started pretty fast, but um, to have five of them in um, in less than five months, essentially, is, is, is pretty aggressive. So yeah, they are in stealth right now. Um, one of them is doing a private fundraising round. Um, but yeah, they, they will be out there soon. They are products that people are going to be using. Exciting. Um- can you share, I guess, yeah, like can you take us through that process of like what that would look like? I find it even interesting that you said uh, on LinkedIn, like you, you find people that you, like like who are these people? Like how do you find these people that aren't entrepreneurs that you want to convince them to be? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's been an interesting process so far. I've probably reached out to 50 people on LinkedIn, probably talked to about 30 of them. I've reached out to probably 20 or 30 ex-Shutterstock employees who um, they don't work at Shutterstock anymore, and um, I thought they would be interested. Um, I have an idea list of about 100 ideas. Uh, 
some of them I cross out, they turn out to be bad ideas, some of them I add. At any one time, there's you know between 80 and 100 on there. Um, and uh, I, I try to see what, what the people are interested in, what they would want to build, how they would build what they're going to build. Um, I mean, I'm looking for people that will run through walls. I'm looking for people that will do whatever it takes to get a company off the ground. Um, I'm looking for people that can bootstrap. I'm looking for people that are willing to quit their jobs if they have them right now, which most of them do. Um, it's a pretty good job market right now. And so finding these people uh, often involves taking them out of their current position. Uh, and I backstop some of their risk. I mean, they're not going to be making as much base salary as they did before, but they're going to own a big chunk of a company, sometimes 20, 30, 40% of a business um, that they're going to uh, – get to run a CEO. And so you strategically don't pay, match their salaries, what they might be on, because they're probably, you know, maybe in a, at an executive level or senior management position, right? They're not usually that senior. Um, they can be. I haven't found anyone that, uh, that senior yet. It's usually, I mean, they've often been young, hungry kind of engineers that want to be that I want to be founding CTOs or CEOs. Um, some some are in management. Some mostly are engineers. Uh, and and look, they I, I intentionally don't want to pay them exactly what they were making before because they're taking they're taking a bit more risk. They should be okay with that because they they they're getting a large piece of equity. Um, and it's not about it's not about being able to afford paying them the. I mean, we we can as the startup. It's just. It, it, there's a different mindset in being a founder and being um, switching from a job to being a founder. You're, you are trading uh, salary for equity. Yeah, makes sense. And when you when you kind of canvas or prospect these people, have are these people generally people you haven't met before, and they've just and they have a certain kind of profile, or is it people in your mainly people in your network, ex Shutterstock or? It's been mostly people in my network, although I have been getting to know some people that I didn't know before, and it'll take me a little bit longer to get comfortable with them. But when I do, um, I think there will be some people outside of my network that will become founding CTOs or CEOs of, of these companies. And um, the conversation looks like, yeah, look, what do you think you're doing? This is what I'm thinking you're doing. I've got these li- this list of ideas, what excites you? Is, and then you kind of grab that person, you see where that person gravitates? Is that, and, or you, like as a collective, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, throw out some ideas. Usually we can triangulate around an area that they're interested in. I have them, um, all the ideas are organized by category. So if AI comes up, I can focus on that area. If it's a consumer product, I can zoom in on that area. Um, if it's big data, if it's low code, no code, et cetera, we can, we, we can narrow it down. Got you. And then what is the expectation um, around going from really solidifying that idea and going to a working prototype or MVP, having something to go to market on or, or at least test? What, what does that kind of timeline look like? Um, it's fast. We're usually looking to get to MVP in a few months. Time. And it tends to be someone a, like a technical, a technical. Uh... Lately, it's been technical, but I have found someone um, who, has, who just has a good business mind, um, and, and and I feel like can can hire the technical co lead to them. 
if that if that is the case, you would provide provide the funding to to f- uh, pay that person as well. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the f- the first pre seed round uh, I'm doing with one other person. And then uh, you know it, it would you guys would kind of work on your list and then off you go. And then what are you looking for when it comes to knowing um, that there might be some early stage traction? What, like, do you have parameters that you're looking for? Do you say, if we get to a hundred customers in the first week and like, like with Facebook, like, like, what, like, yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always a certain number of KPIs involved. Um, and, and, we match those KPIs to the to the the weekly uh, status of the business, right? If you're looking for orders, we we want to make sure that um, we're hitting our our targets. If we're if we're looking for traffic, we want to make sure we're we're hitting those those targets. Yeah, it's classic lean startup stuff. You you have KPIs, you're driving to try to uh, match your targets, uh, and you're iterating quickly and 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 often. And how do you, just because the people listening right now might find this really valuable because they might be in that stage, I'm curious, how do you define those targets? Like if it's a direct-to-consumer brand um, like versus an enterprise SaaS, like, yeah, how, how, do you, how do you measure or know what it's like a, a good target to know you've hit product market fit or you've got really early stage traction? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on the business. If you're a consumer brand, it's going to be number of orders per week, uh, visits to the website, cart abandonment, uh, returns. Uh, if you're a if you're a SaaS product, it's going to be um, what does your weighted pipeline look like? How many inquiries are there? Um, how many conversions are, are there? And and all along the the pipeline, like where are the different people in the pipeline? It depends on the business. Yep, got you. That makes sense. And then I guess um, working towards wrapping up, um, because yeah, like uh, yeah, I'm really I'm really interested around this idea. I've never heard anyone doing this kind of concept of this kind of yeah, own personal incubator, working on like five, maybe or probably more, right? Like how when do you look to cap out, or you just want to? There should never be a cap. I mean, we there are lots of ideas on that list. I think they'll often be uh, pivots, right? And so. There could be entrepreneurs that that work on one idea. We don't actually get some traction on that idea, and then they pivot to another one. Uh, we've already had one of our our founders do that. Actually, the second idea is getting a lot more traction than the first one got. Yeah, got you. But uh, like, would it be difficult with your time to like uh, focus? If even even like you're splitting across five, you have uh, kind of in a way like CEOs running these. Um, incubated ideas and but yeah eventually you would cap out right or you or you just want to like yeah what is the goal here i i mean i there's no there's no goal there could be dozens of companies i you know eventually they get to their own kind of sustainable place and and yeah and all of these companies i mean the ones that are done right the one where the, the ceo is executing appropriately uh, should be able to get to their own exit velocity. They should be able to get to a point where they're sustainable on their own. And then they could be sold, they could be IPO, they could be um, they can be uh, cash flow. Yep, that makes sense. And is one of the reasons you're doing this now is because of everything that's happening. Um, they say that 
you know, one of the best times to launch a company is during a recession, and we're going through that right now. Is and there's just so many problems to be solved and a lot of opportunity. Is that why one of the reasons that you're doing this right now? Yeah, well, look, in, in tech, it doesn't necessarily feel like a recession, but Shutterstock was started in 2003. Uh, that was right after the bubble burst for tech. That was right after 9-11. That was definitely a hard time. Nobody was starting companies in tech back then. Um, I do think that when, when there are times of distress, those are times you double down, uh, whether it's a recession, uh, global pandemic, um, whatever the issue is, uh, you know, get, getting to work during that time, you can create some, some, some crazy value uh, out of that. And I think uh, it, it helps everyone. You create jobs, you're, um, you're staying focused, you're creating value. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good time to do that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, because look, I'm seeing a lot of interesting companies being started during this time. Um, a lot of deal flow around there, I'm sure. Like I know, I know you're an uh, you know an investor as well. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things popping up, interesting things people are starting. It's it's quite fascinating. Um, okay, so look, we have to work towards wrapping up. Mindful of your time, John. This has been a great conversation. A uh, couple of last questions. Um, one just around kind of. You know, some outside looking in, you've you've built an extremely successful company. You've you've IPO'd it. Um, you've put in a CEO now, and uh, you know many could say like you could just retire right now, right? Like, um, but and I think sometimes people outside looking in would think, well, it's enough. And I want to ask you, is is it ever enough? <laughs> it's. I mean, you don't. You become an entrepreneur because you like creating companies, you like building businesses, you like um, you like seeing things grow that, that that you're involved with. Even though I've been successful with with previous businesses and I can't retire, that's not that doesn't seem appealing. I want to build more. I want to uh, build more than than I than, than I did before. I want to build several Shutterstocks. Love it. Um, and then last question is, uh, well, two more, one more, uh, one is just any final words of wisdom for our audience of early stage startup founders. And then second, uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Sure. I would say words of wisdom. I would, I mean, in every case that I've been successful, I took on every job myself before I handed it off. Early on in Shutterstock, I was the first photographer, first customer service rep, first engineer, uh, first UX designer, first marketer. Uh, it's important to, to do those things before you hand them off, because even now I think back to those times and um, they taught me a lot. They taught me who to hire. They taught me how to manage those people that we hire. And then uh, where to find me? All those different social networks, Instagram and, and Twitter are two great places that um, I'm often uh, uh, posting stuff and you can find me there. Amazing. Well, look, thanks so much for your time, John. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's great meeting you. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, 
and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.